This is the Ricky Long Podcast, episode number 25. stop altogether. Haha. <laughs> right, this is episode number 25 of the Ricky Long podcast. This episode, I am proud, delighted, so happy to announce is sponsored by Podium for Sports. Podium for Sport are a retail shop based in Belfast. They were the sports retail shop of the year in 2018. Based on Belfast, they specialize in sports, fitness, clothing, equipment. They do a lot of stuff for the, the local schools. They do a lot of stuff for rugby and hockey. That's both uh, boys and girls. They're just a, a, a fantastic shop. Um, and I'm really, really happy to have this partnership with Podium for Sport because we share a lot of the same values. Local business, helping each other and helping people kind of on the rise and that's exactly what Podium for Sport have always done for me. I've always reached out to Podium for Sport when I've needed stuff or when they've needed support and we've always had a great working relationship. So for the next wee while we are going to have the Ricky Long podcast sponsored by Podium for Sport. We're going to have giveaways coming up. We're going to get other incentives for you as listening to the Ricky Long podcast and getting involved with having a look at Podium for Sport. What you could do right now for listening to this episode is go on to the Podium for Sport Instagram page, Twitter page, Facebook page, absolutely anywhere on social media. Give them a follow, give them a review, give them a couple of comments and then check out their online store at www.podiumforsport.com. And like I said, moving forwards, we're going to have a couple of incentives, giveaways that you can get involved in. For now, like I said, go onto their pages, please. Give them a like. And if you want to do any shop, 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 do it. If you do live in Belfast, then you can get into Podium for Sport. Highly recommend that. Always have very, very good gear. They get it in. They get always get the new brand of stuff in. Um, particularly Reebok for those who are listening. Um, they do all the Ulster and Ireland rugby kits. Um, very, very, very good, high-quality stuff. And their staff, well, they're just a delight as well. <laughs> right, so here we go on this episode of the podcast. This one's quite a random one. You know, they, they always seem to be random. I feel at the happiest 
when I'm doing these random and I can just let myself kind of go off on tangents wherever I want. Um, so I did a reach out in one of my Facebook groups a couple of days ago and just asked for questions and the, the sentence was, hi, I'm doing a podcast, what would make you listen? And I'm just going to answer some of the questions I got. So one of the questions we got, and I know I've covered this before on a previous podcasts. So the question is, how can group exercise benefit PT and vice versa? So I know I will have spoke about this before. Maybe today I want to say something slightly different, but the message is, is going to be more or less the same. How group exercise can benefit the PT and vice versa. So when you're a PT, what you're doing essentially is you're trying to have a one-to-one relationship with a series of clients, which is great. When you're a group fitness instructor, you're trying to have a one-to-many relationship with essentially clients, gym members. Both can be highly, highly effective in the most important person, which is the member, the client, in getting their results. In a PT situation, it's one-on-one, so your training program can be tailored for that individual person. When it's group exercise situation, it's a little bit more generic. You can coach people on an individual basis from time to time, but essentially it's quite a generic program. What you're guaranteed in a group exercise class, you're not guaranteed in PT. What you can be guaranteed in PT, you're not guaranteed in group exercise. Therefore, if you are a fitness professional, it is definitely worth you looking at doing both as a business offering of your service. So you can do more one-to-one PT sessions than group fitness classes. And that's simply because group fitness classes depend on your availability to teach at the time of the group fitness classes. For example, in the UK and Ireland, not many group fitness classes happen at two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and that's where you can get a PT session in. At the same time, you can only teach a certain amount of group fit classes that doesn't run your body into the ground. Everyone has a sweet spot when it comes to how many group fitness classes you can teach. For me personally, I'll be honest, that's around 10 classes a week that's kind of my sweet spot and that would also include having at least one day off preferably two to be right in the sweet spot so we'd only ever be teaching two classes per day um the unfortunate thing about doing that in group fitness land is most group fitness instructors in the uk and ireland are vastly underpaid you can get maybe up to 25 pounds for the class. So that means if you're doing 10 classes a week, at most you're going to get 250 pounds for that week. That's a thousand pounds a month. It's not a, a livable wage in the UK and Ireland. I, I know people could live on that, but you're certainly not going to be living comfortable. I call it, you'd be surviving on that sort of income. So that's where PT can come into your advantageous offering as a fitness professional obviously PT you're not limited on how many sessions you can do in terms of your physical ability you'll be limited on how many sessions you can do in terms of your mental offering so this is why I talk about the sweet spot and it's that amount of sessions where it doesn't start to get boring and repetitive and monotonous and you can still give your client your full 100% attention for that time. Because that client isn't paying for that session. That client is paying for your time. So you need to give them 100% of your time. 
when I was a PT, my sweet spot did vary, and I'll talk about this a little bit more. So when I did live PT, my sweet spot was around 20 sessions, preferably in the teens, maybe down around 17, 18 sessions. And I rarely did three sessions back to back. So I would always have a half hour gap between session number two and session number three. And that just allows me to refocus, maybe get some food, change clothes, just change my mental state and really plan how I'm going to approach client number three. Because my attention span, it just wasn't there anymore after paying so much attention to these two other clients. Maybe getting to that third spot, I wasn't quite in my sweet spot. And the danger is once you start to get fatigued and frustrated as a personal trainer, your service offering and delivery of your session just goes down and it's a bad reflection on you. It's You're taking the piss a little bit out of your client's time and money and that's essentially what starts to happen is you start to chase the money of the session rather than your client's results. So you would actually be better earning less money by doing less sessions but by giving better sessions during those less session analogy, you're going to deliver more results. Therefore, you're going to have a longer lasting business. Longer lasting business means you get more success stories. More success stories means your stock value goes up and you can charge more per package of PT. You do not charge per session of PT. I've spoke about that before. The reason you don't charge per session by PT is because you're not char- you're not you're not selling a session, you're selling a package, you're selling a result. So that PT session is just part of a package. For example, you could join my eight-week fat-burning plan. As part of my eight-week fat-burning plan, you will get one PT session per week. You will also get a Facebook group. You will get content delivered into that Facebook group three, four times a week. You will get a group training session where the whole team is going to do it on Friday afternoon. You get what I mean? You build the whole package rather than the session. How PTs can benefit group exercise classes? PTs need to start supporting group exercise classes. There's been this long-standing divide between personal trainers and the group fitness studio, uh, historically speaking, in the fitness industry. And it's, you know, sometimes PTs may or may not say classes don't work, classes are a waste of time. It's often jealousy. It's often insecurity where the PT is worried the client, the member of the gym, will choose to spend their time in the studio as opposed to spending time with the PT and giving the PT money. What a great PT will do is actually say to the member, oh, you enjoy doing that group exercise class? Well, here's what we'll do. I will train you for your live PT session on a Monday evening and on Wednesday evening do this cardio-based class followed by this hip-based class and we can make this part of your overall week and then suddenly the PT is giving a client more service, the PT is giving the studio more people, i.e. more attendance, giving the gym more service, giving the gym more profit and revenue. Same can work the other way. So if you're a group fitness instructor and maybe you aren't a PT at the same time and you can see perhaps one of your clients in your barbell-based class isn't getting the technique for a clean and press and you don't have the time before after the class to really work with that person as much as you would like maybe you you perhaps don't have the the confidence in your own skill set so what you could do is send that member of your class to a pt in the gym and say go and book a pt with that session and you need to work on your olympic lifting 
if you had time and you had this sort of relationship with that client, you could even say, we'll go and do a package of sessions with one of the PTs together, provided the PTs in the gym do that. So they can actually, they're actually feed off each other. Ah, I think that was good. I think I've covered everything I want to cover. I've literally have no notes in front of me. I've got my Facebook page open because this is where the questions were. And I've got my notes section on my laptop, which I've spoke about before. <laughs> so the next one, the next one uh, is came from a great friend of mine, uh, Jenny. Uh, Jenny and I go back uh, a long, long way. So Jenny's question, or it was more of a statement, was just about getting fed up with the industry. And I know why people get fed up with the industry, the fitness industry. So Jenny and I go way back. Uh, Jenny was my general manager back in the days of Fitness First Banger, Northern Ireland. I was a PT in that club uh, before I later left and I went to be a manager in another one of the Fitness First clubs. Then about two or three years later, when Fitness First um, withdrew its clubs, uh, Jenny and I found ourselves working together again at another club and it was called Simply Class, which was the group exercise capital at the time of Northern Ireland's. Um, and Jenna's just said, you know, getting a bit fed up with the industry. So sometimes sometimes this happens, okay, and it's important we address this and we, we recognize this, is we enter an industry. It might be fitness, it may not be. Maybe you're, you know, you're really, really passionate pilot and you, you fly airplanes if, and if you're a pilot and you're listening to my podcast I, I salute you I really do I, I'd love to know what value I'm giving you but we, we do tend to get frustrated with what's happening in our industry in our jobs in our teams and that's a really really good time where we can sit back stand back and reflect we can look at why we got into the industry we can look at highlights of what we've had so far and we can look at what things have changed from you know your first year in the industry to year number 5 10 15 20 whatever it is you can look at the what's changed what the highlights what the low points of that being then you can look at what's going on now and you can weigh those couple of things up so when the times were good and maybe now the times aren't so good is that the industry's fault is that the decisions you've made have led you here, or even indeed, is that your fault? You can look at how bad things really are right now, and you can weigh that up with other industries. So, for example, if I look at the, the frustrations of mine right now in the fitness industry, I'm really frustrated by how much group fitness instructors get paid. I'm really, really frustrated by the image that personal trainers create for themselves on social media. I'm really, really frustrated by this absolute epidemic of fitness influencers on social media who are tits, ass, and six packs selling either programs or supplements where they've no interest in helping the client. They've only interested in helping their bank account. So they're the, they're the frustrations I have. And how I reground myself is I always look at my clients. I look to spend time with my clients. Now, for me now, that's that's normally by phone call um, or FaceTime or some sort of video call. And I look at the positives, the journey that we've been on, 
with my clients? What success stories have they had? What success stories have I had with them? What have I had to do to, to, to help them? And that's what regrounds me. That helps me feel right. I'm in this fitness industry. I'm making a difference for these people. So when you do get fed up with whatever industry you're in, step back and work out, why did you get into it in the first place? What positive difference have you made? And what do you have to do to continue to make that positive difference? Once you know what you have to do to make that positive difference, you can make a more informed decision. Is that something you're prepared to do? How do you do it? When can you start? And whose help do you need to start doing it? Okay, so up next from Chris Smith, Mindset, how to get shit done and keep getting shit done. And he's referring to achieving goals, workloads, behavioral change from diet training, 5 a.m. club, keeping on top of social media, smashing our things, our to-do list, and not to make decisions that set us up to fail and rather set us up for success. So there's a lot in uh, Chris's question, which is going to, and I knew this was going to form the bulk of this episode. How to get shit done and keep getting shit done. It's a beautiful sentence. I don't know if you've read that from somewhere, Chris, or that's your own. The first thing you got to do is work out what your, your end goal is. And then everything you do needs to work towards that goal. Spoke about Gary Keller's book, The One Thing Before. He does a, a brilliant goal setting exercise within that book. You can also catch it online in various places. And it's we talk a lot now about your why and what is your why and working from the why. I've read some material on the why and I, you know, I've said some things on social media and whilst it's relevant, what I prefer to think about is doing things from your purpose. So the difference is why is why you have done something or why you do something. Purpose is a reason for doing it. So there's a slight difference, and for me, it's a really, really powerful difference. So I know what my purpose is. My purpose is to help as many fitness professionals as I can. I 100% believe that's my purpose because it's, yes, it is effort, but it's effortless to think about it. I love doing it. I want to do it. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. All my downtime is spent thinking about what's the next thing I can do to help the fitness professional. And that's it. That's what, what I think about. That is my purpose. So to get to, for you to start getting shit done, you've got to know what your purpose is. There's a couple of little drills you can do. And again, this is this is coming from The One Thing by Gary Keller. And it's an adaptation or, sorry, a variation of exactly what Simon Sinek talks about in his book, Start With Why and Leaders Eat Last. And it's, have a think about the things that you're really, really passionate about and that you enjoy doing. And if you can get a, in fact, you know what to do, stop this podcast right now, hit pause, go and get a pen and paper and then come back or open the notes section on your phone. Make sure you have ha, have that open for this and we'll just do a live drill on the podcast right now, first time ever. So what you're going to do is you're going to write down up to five things that you 
love that you're really, really passionate about. These can be recreational things, professional things, personal things that you love. Could be dog walking. It could be going to the cinema. It could be making people laugh. It could be connecting with people and teaching them things. It could be making children smile. Things that you absolutely love to do as a person. The second thing you're going to do is you're going to write down five outcomes that you love. So an outcome is some a reward for something that you love. I love, at the end of a module that I do for Les Mills, I love the smiles on people's faces when they know they have completed the weekend's training. I love that outcome. It's one of my highlights. Another thing I love is when my business clients message me and say, I have just got a new client by applying your methods. So I love that. I love that outcome. So what are your outcomes that you love? If you were to tell someone your favorite thing about your current job is, you might not like your job, but you might like the outcome. So all you're doing is you're connecting things here. Step three, and the final step, you're gonna put a circle around the thing that you love most about step one and step two. So you wrote up to five things in step one and up to five things in step two. All you're gonna do is circle the ones that mean the most to you. And then our final step is you wanna make a sentence. So you got part A, which is your activity, and part B, which is your outcome. Make a sentence with those two things. So I told you my purpose is to help fitness professionals grow their business. So I love, my passion is helping fitness professionals. My outcome is grow their business. So your activity serves your outcome or you get the outcome by doing the activity. I grow fitness professionals' business by helping them fast-track systems and automation. I help fitness professionals find systems and automation to grow their business. So you can see how you do that sense. So one feeds the other is what I'm saying. What you've got right now is a working title that you can move towards. So now you know what that purpose is, what that goal is, you can take stock of everything you do and everything that you're about to do and you can make that to-do list a should-do list or a must-do list. So if you have that purpose, you can have a couple of goals come the other side of it. They can be financial, they can be spiritual, they can be uh, materialistic, i.e. cars and houses and boats you want to buy. They can be reputation, what you want people to say about you, they can be followers on Instagram, uh, book sales, downloads, whatever it might be. So you can have all those uh, side goals. And then you've got to think, okay, these are my goals and this is my purpose. I must do something every single day that moves me one step closer towards those goals and that purpose becoming a reality. So the goals are the things you work towards and the purpose is the thing that drives you towards those goals.
So you can start to look at everything you do on a daily basis and you can weigh up what works you up the ladder and what distracts you from climbing that ladder. Hey, I think I explained that quite well. There's more about that in both Simon's next book and Gary Keller's book. Start with why and Gary Keller is the one thing. Great, great listen and read. Uh, so a couple of the other things uh, Chris spoke about, we're just going to go on them very, very quick. He speaks about diet and behavioral change. So diet is very, very simply put, diet, diet's what you eat. It's going to change. You're going to have moods which dictate what you want to eat. You're going to have social occasions which is going to dictate what you want to eat. You're going to have um, things that go wrong and, and your day takes a different direction. The important thing is that your diet is flexible with your lifestyle. So the 80-20 rules are a great place to live your dietary lifestyle. You find your calories. You know how many calories you should eat. You have a rough idea of your proteins and then your carbs and fats can do whatever they like. And for 80% of the time, stay within your calories, stay within your proteins. And then the other 20% of the time, you can be a little bit looser. So that means when that 20% happens, when you're living in that zone for a day or two during the week, you don't freak out. It's just part of the process and you can enjoy life. Um, little hack, which is quite popular in the world right now is... Don't start your dietary week on a Monday. Start it on a Friday. Count your calories from Friday morning. So that means if you should eat 2,000 calories a day, that works out at 14,000 calories a week. And if you get through Friday, Saturday, Sunday and realize you've eaten 3,000 calories a day, well, instead of eating 2,000 calories for the rest of the week, just eat 1,500 calories each day for the rest of the week. Yeah? Hope that makes sense. Training, kind of the same principle goes for training. I'm a big believer and fan in training. If you have two non-negotiable days worth of training that you must do every week, and then two, maybe three, depending on your lifestyle, bonus sessions that you can do. So I have two heavyweight sessions, which I must do every week. In one of those sessions, I must squat and do cleans. In the other session, I must deadlift and do snatches. There are a whole lot of other exercises and the reps ranges that I tend to use very, um, very massively. But ultimately, I'll squat every week, I'll clean every week, I'll deadlift every week, and I'll snatch every week. Now, I'm not particularly good at any of them, but I know functionally, I move quite well. So training, just have a couple of non-negotiables that you must do. You must enjoy doing them. Listen, if you don't enjoy deadlifting, don't listen to the Ricky Long podcast and think, I must deadlift, even though I hate it because Ricky Long said he deadlifts. You don't need to do that. If you don't like an exercise, don't do it because if you don't like it, it's not going to give you the full value. So you find exercises that you do like. Maybe you don't enjoy training. Maybe you need to go and do sport. Maybe you need to start five-a-side football or netball or hockey, whatever it is. Maybe you need to go trampolining on a regular basis. Do not invite me. I'm not allowed. Yeah, so training, you've got to enjoy training and try and set a couple of non-negotiables of things that you enjoy doing, commit to them every week. Everything else is a bonus and, and kind of playtime when it comes to training. <clears throat> the 5am club, okay, right, so this is all about getting up early. 
I'm a big fan of getting up early because I know when I get up early, I get shit done in the morning because there's nothing there to distract me. No WhatsApp messages, no Instagram messages, no interesting TV at all. So I get up early and get my shit done. I'm, I've positioned my work and my business where I can do that and then I can just have phone calls uh, the rest of the day. So the, the kind of tasks I've done between five and nine, a couple of emails. Um, right now, I'm prioritizing. I'm in the middle of writing one book and I've finished another book and we're just waiting to, to launch it. Um, so the one we're waiting to launch is an ebook. You'll hear about it here. Um, so the 5 a.m. club and lots of people like this, lots of famous people, Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, um, all get up early and take advantage of being awake at 5 a.m. Now, 5 a.m., it's not a magic time. You don't get up and suddenly have a great day because you get up at 5 a.m. And I'll be honest, the first 20 minutes of that are pretty damn shit, especially if you live in Scotland and it's absolutely freezing. Um, there's no magic formula. You know, there's no fairies come around your house and get all your shit done for you that day. You know, you've got to get up and graft little things I do to help me get up. I make sure my I have warm clothes sitting close to the bed. So as soon as my feet hit the floor, call it the deep breaths in, call it meditation if you like. Clothes go on, slippers go on, warm socks go on, hoodie goes on, straight up into the kitchen. Um, my morning routine is a pint of water, then uh, a Barocca or a Sainsbury's alternative because it's cheaper and has better quality vitamins in it or higher qual quantity. Don't know if they're better quality. Could check that up. Uh, how to keep on top of social media, group pages, website. Right, okay. If you're a fitness professional, you are not a graphic designer or website designer person, male, female. You are a fitness professional. Take your 20 pounds a week, 80 pounds a month, 100 pounds a month, whatever it is, Go and pay someone to do your website for you. Do not waste your time doing that unless you really enjoy it. So social media and group pages, I say this all the time, you got to batch cook your social media the same way you batch cook your food if you're in prep, i.e. have two 30-minute windows per week. These 30-minute windows are as important to you as doing client sessions, as doing planning for work, doing planning for... Um, getting to work, planning your holidays, whatever it might be. And these two 30-minute sessions have one earlier in the week, say on a Monday, have one later in the week, say on a Thursday. And this is when you batch cook your social media. So you write your captions. You write your caption to the person you want to talk to and how you want to talk to them and what you want to talk to them about. Once you've done that, you just leave that caption in your notes section of your phone. And when you're out and about, Take the picture, do the video, whatever content of media you want to do. And then you post it when you've done that. And so it doesn't matter how many times you post on social media, as long as your post has value. So you can post once a week, you can post twice a day. It doesn't matter as long as your content is valuable. You're starting conversations, you're responding to people, and you're giving one person per post some value. The day my social media posts stop giving value, I will stop using social media. Right now, I'm confident enough to say 
every time I post something on social media, at least one person gets value out of that post. And that's all I care about, that one person. That one person happens to be two people or three people or four people or five people, that's fine. How do I measure it? I don't measure it by the likes, I don't measure it by the insights, I measure it by the comments and direct messages I get on social media. That's what fires me on. So if you see my social media posts and you do give it, you know, if it's Instagram and the double tap, or it's Twitter and the retweet, or it's Facebook and a share, whatever it is, that's great. But I would dearly love to have a comment from you or a private message from you and get your your feedback. Why did that post resonate with you? What was it about that? Because that that allows me to do more and that gives me the, the direction to go in. It allows me to work to my purpose. I went off on one there, Chris. Apologies. Uh, and group pages, what you can do in group pages, you can do a couple of things to stay on top of things in group pages. So like I said about batch cooking, you can actually schedule posts in your Facebook groups. So you could schedule posts maybe two or three days in advance. Then as a little hack, either on your laptop or your phone, set an alarm or a reminder, like a calendar entry to remind you that you've just posted in the social media group. So that means as soon as you posted, you can go in five, 10 minutes later, have a look at what comments, etc., that will come up there. Obviously have the notifications in the group turned on or off as needed. Um, the other thing you can do with group pages is you can now set up a units tab. So where you can keep all the information about certain subjects. So let's say you are the fitness professional and you have a group with 50, 60 people in it and you talk in the group about fitness and training, you could have a unit section where once you put the initial post in the discussion tab about fitness, you can then tag it and select that into the unit section of training in the group. And you can do the same with nutrition, you could do the same with Olympic weightlifting, paleo, macro counting, what recipes, absolutely anything you want, as much creativity allows. Um, so it just helps you find stuff in the group a little bit more. And your last one, I love this one, Chris, not making decisions that set us up to fail at our goals and dreams. Here's how you do that. Someone has already done it. Someone has already done something very close to it. Somebody has coached someone who has done this. How do you find them? Google the internet. That's it. Then you just start reverse engineering. So if I were, let me just take an example. So Gary Vaynerchuk is one of the top guys in the world for social media and basically saying the word fuck on social media. Gary Vaynerchuk helped me kind of start this journey that I'm on and it's about social media branding. So Gary Vaynerchuk always says about buying the New York Jets baseball team. I don't know too much about the Jets or baseball or anything like that. I don't really know enough about Gary Vaynerchuk. I should learn more and I do follow and consume a lot of his content. And the reason why I consume a lot of his content is because he has this big goal and I have a big goal and what I'm doing is reverse engineering what he did. I look at other people who have done things close to what I want to do. Now I don't want to buy a sports team, I don't want to buy New York Jets, I don't want to buy Man United, um, I don't want to buy Greenock Morton, that's not my goal but I do want to 
do things that these successful people have done that allows them to make those decisions. So to bring me back to the original point is how to stop yourself making poor decisions. Have a look at people who have had success and look at what decisions they made at roughly the same points in their journey. That's a great way that you can look at what you're doing. Is it the thing you should be doing to get you towards your goals? Go back to what I said at the start about Gary, not Gary V, Gary Keller. And it's, what is the one thing you can do today that will get you closer to your goals? What is the one thing you can do right after listening to this episode that will get you closer to your goals? Maybe it's downloading a book. Maybe it's a Google search. Maybe it's speaking to someone. What is the one thing you can do tomorrow that gets you closer to your goals? And what is the one thing you can do the day after tomorrow to get you closer towards your goals? And if you do one thing every single day, in 365 days, you're 365 steps closer. You know that saying, a year from now, you wish you'd started today? This time tomorrow, you could have done two things that'll get you closer to your goal. In the last two days, what two things have you done that gets you closer to your goal? This time tomorrow, you could have done two things. Can you see how real that is? Can you feel how real that is? What's your goal? Earn £100,000 by 2022. It's 2019. Well, what do I have to do to earn £100,000 a year? I have to have my own business. I have to be running my own business. I have to have six members of staff. I need to have 100 units per day being sold. Okay, the one thing I can do tomorrow is read a book about business scaling. When I say read a book, download a book about business scaling. So who does business scaling? Google. See, these are the steps that you need to start taking in order to achieve your goals. And once you know what your goals are, once you know what your purpose are, once you know who's achieved these before, you can set yourself on the path. You're not copying people, you're reverse engineering. (laughs) You're reverse engineering. You're not copying, you're reverse engineering. You walk the same path, but you do it in your own shoes, you do it in your own way, and you get there on your own terms. Wow, what a message. And our last question, our last topic, is around getting set up to run and facilitate your own gym. So if you want to become a gym owner, what equipment would I recommend? And if you're a PT and you wanted to go out on the road, what equipment would I recommend or even indeed for a small PT studio? Listen, if I'm designing a gym and I have helped people do this in the past uh, in a consultancy kind of role, what you, you need to look at the industry. What's popular in the industry right now? What's going to be popular in three, four, five years? So what's popular in the industry right now is Olympic lifting is functional areas. So if I'm designing a gym, I'm going to look at getting Olympic barbells, weights, bumper plates, the correct flooring, the correct platforms. I'm going to get squat racks. I'm going to get bar cages. I'm going to get the right area in the gym for this. I'm going to dedicate an entire wall to this. Like I touched on, functional equipment is quite popular. So that's everything from battle ropes, medicine balls, kettlebells, rigs, multi-station rigs where you can you know, have people squatting on one side, you can have pull-ups and monkey bars in the middle, 
Um, you can have ropes attached to it to do your rope slams. You can have ropes to climb up. You can have gymnastic rings, all the rest of it. So have a look at what the industry is doing now and what the industry will be doing in a few years. So where the industry is going, the fitness industry is going, is it's going towards technology and virtual. So this is the idea of workouts happening by TV, by virtual reality, by wearing headsets. So if I'm a gym owner right now, I'm thinking, okay, I want to have a bit of clear space in the gym and I want to have a clear wall with a brilliant projector and sound system that will allow this sort of technology to come in once it becomes a little bit more mainstream. We'll keep chatting about it, you know, the audio space as well. So workouts are going to start to be delivered by Alexa and Siri and all the rest of it. By the way, if you're listening to this in the house or you're listening to this driving to work, what if I just said, hey Siri, did you just hear my phone? <laughs> if you are listening to this in the house and you got a, you've maybe got your Amazon dot thing sitting around, what if I just said, Alexa, what's the weather doing tomorrow? Audio is going into the same space as what I just said about virtual. So there's already yoga workouts being delivered by, uh, is it Google Home? They're already being delivered. So that's going to be coming into the mainstream in the fitness industry. Exactly what that looks like, I don't know. So I would definitely be looking into that. In terms of equipment as well, you know, assault bikes are popular. Uh, ski ergs are popular. Prowlers and sprint tracks are really popular because people want to move now. The personal trainers want to get their clients moving as opposed to being fixed on machines. If I'm looking at doing my own kind of PT studio and I'm on a budget, I need a squat rack and I need one piece of cardio. So the squat rack, as I've said, it would be wall mounted, Olympic barbell on it, a couple of weight plates. The bit of cardio kit, it would be close between an assault bike and a ski erg or a rower as to which one I would prioritize. It would depend on the space and obviously, as I've said, the budget. I wouldn't go near a treadmill or a skill mill or anything. Great bits of kit, but if you're prioritizing, I would I'd go for a rower. Yeah, definitely go for a rowing machine. People don't like rowing machines. So if you ever go into a commercial gym, you'll always know that you go in a commercial gym at six, seven o'clock on a Monday night, the gym will be absolutely packed, but there'll be nobody on the rowers. Everybody will be on other bits of kit. The reason for this is people don't like the rowers because the rowers are the hardest bit of cardio kit because rowers are not cardio, rowers are resistance. It's just like a seated row constantly and constantly and constantly and constantly. So that's why we probably get a rower because although it's in the cardio bracket, it's actually a bit of strength endurance kit. And we all know strength endurance is the fastest way to burn calories. It's the fastest way to create shape change and it burns fat all at the same time. Uh, soft top plyo boxes, I'd definitely be looking at those. A range of kettlebells, which you know, I know I've already said. Um, if I'm looking at doing any sort of group exercise offering, the first thing I'm going to look at is the type of sound system we'll have. Create the experience first, yeah? Create the experience first. So you can have a shit floor, you can have shit walls and bad graphics and um, less than adequate equipment, 
But if you get the sound system right and your mic system right, your instructors can now start to create the experience. Yeah, start with why. Start with why. Do not start with what you offer. Start with why you offer it. I would open a, a studio to create the best group fitness experience possible. Therefore, I need the sound system, I need the microphones, and I need the acoustics in the room. So what height does the ceiling need to be? I'd worry more about the ceiling before I worry about the floor. And that's very, very different to how most gyms think, and probably a lot of you will think about this, because if the ceiling's in the right place, then the sound's going to be great. People are going to enjoy the experience in the room. Later, I can look at everything I've just said, the actual equipment, the... Uh, flooring, the graphics around the room, all that. Prioritize the experience. Oh, right. We are about 40 minutes in to episode number 25 of the Ricky Long podcast. And again, I want to thank Podium for Sport for being our first ever sponsors of the Ricky Long podcast. Please Check out their pages on social media, their Instagram page. They're always doing their Instagram stories. They're showing all their stock that they have. If you can, go and leave them a comment, a like, a review. Screenshot this episode of the Ricky Long Podcast. Tag me, tag Podium for Sport. Look out for the offers of the future collab we're going to do. My name's Ricky Long. This is a Ricky Long Podcast sponsored by Podium for Sport, www.podiumforsport.com, Northern Ireland Sports Retailers of the Year. Thank you and good night!